Hey everyone, welcome to episode 6 of the Denver Crux Podcast. Today we've got Keith North. Keith came out today and gave us a peek behind the curtain, if you will, of the world of route setting. He's the head route setter at G1 Climbing Gym over in Broomfield. And Keith gives us a little, little taste of how the routes that we all walk into every day and climb, how these things come to be. So, really honored to have Keith on today, and I think you guys are going to enjoy. Welcome to the Denver Crux, a podcast dedicated to the Colorado climbing community and their passion for adventure and pushing the limits of the human spirit. Nationals is like tomorrow, I think. Nationals for what? Uh, for youth. Uh, youth climbing. Oh, really? In Chicago, so the I think that was like the starting list getting posted. Oh, nice. Okay. Are you a part of that? No. Okay. If, if Just... I if I were this year, I'd I'd be there right now. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, all the setting crews flew out. Was it three four days ago? Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the the coach that's going from our gym, he flew out. I think yesterday, and is there now. Very cool. Dude, yeah. you're, you're just in the network. I love that, man. It's a, it's a little world for sure. Yeah. All right, so we've got Keith North here. Keith, thank you for coming out. Yeah. Super excited. Um, I'm especially excited about this podcast, actually, because this is, number one, it was highly requested to get a route setter and kind of a peek behind the curtain, but I'm super curious because... I go to the gym and I see these routes that are magically up and it's like, wait, what happens after midnight here at the gym? Do you know, are there like little, little like magical beings that just put these routes up? And so I'm super curious as to how this all happens. So appreciate you coming out, man. Um, so before we get into that stuff, um, Keith, give us a little background. Um, where are you from, dude? I grew up in the, uh, Denver Centennial area. Um, I started climbing at, at Rockin' and Jammin' in Centennial. Um, I think I was in 2007, so you know, approaching like 15 years ago, and then um, just kind of kept doing it and got more and more into it. Um, a little while later, ended up uh, trying to get onto the setting team there, and kind of kept asking kept asking and then eventually uh one of their setters was leaving the state and i was able to to get a spot as like the the new guy on the crew and got started setting and how'd you fall into climbing over at rock and jam did you just... um uh i took a, a like an outdoor adventure class through my high school and like learned to belay and that kind of thing uh and then that next summer one of my friends said that there was like this indoor climbing gym nearby and we should go over and went over and checked it out and then started doing it like you know once twice a month and then the next summer started going once a day almost every day um and ever since then i've been climbing kind of five days a week just instantly hooked it was it was about a year before i was like really okay really climbing a lot um prior to climbing i was i was fencing which really yeah i've always been like into the weird 
uh, obscure sports. But yeah, I was never like that great at fencing, but I was fairly into it. And then kind of as I got out of the fencing world and into the climbing world, it shifted to like all climbing. It's a very classy sport. Very classy sport. Oh, yeah. So you're out there, you're over at, at Rock and Jam. Very local, like just a great gym. I just want to do a quick shout out for like Rock and Jam. Like no one talks about Rock and Jam. I think Rock and Jam is awesome. Um, cool, cool local gym. So you're over there. Um, you get onto the onto the setting team there. Mm-hmm. How far, how long were you climbing until uh, you got on there? Um, must have been like four years. Okay. Uh, so I was I was decently experienced. Were you doing? Were you only at the indoor scene, or during this whole time, are you doing outdoor climbing too? Growing up, or uh, I had been climbing outside a little bit. Uh, I was still like pretty like new to the outdoor world. Mm-hmm. I definitely started in the climbing in the gym and climbed a, a lot in the gym before I kind of started to like dip my toes in outside. Gotcha. So the uh, the indoor scene just kind of called to you more. Yeah, it's uh, like there's a lower barrier to entry. You need less gear, and it's uh, it was just friend friendlier. Like outside, you have you have dirt and you have wind and you have water and bugs, and the route is you have to find it. It's not you know marked with either colored holes or colored tape. Yeah, it's it's just simpler and and yeah, going outside the first time it was really hard, and I got stomped. What just the climbing difficulty itself, like? Yeah, it was. I ended up on some like slabs in in Estes area at, at Left Book, um, and I had no clue what I was doing. Um, and I was with a bunch of really experienced tribe climbers who were quite literally walking up the slabs, bored, and I was <laughs> trying to grab as hard as I could and I couldn't do anything you're trying to crimp the slabs and it, it, it just didn't work <laughs> okay so you get onto the the setting team over there what is that I mean like what is that onboarding process like because again this whole thing is a mystery to me behind what you guys do and how you guys do it what do you feel is the qualification to be a setter versus a climber or is there some is there some sort of contrast that you need between the two or um so that was uh in 2011 so a little over 11 years ago mm-hmm. so a l- i will say a lot has changed in, in that time um right back then there wasn't really any like setting education like i i had set a little bit at a lifetime fitness rec center where they couldn't tell me I couldn't set. So I just did. And I figured some things out there and then, you know, I started setting and they like my first like trial day, it was, you know, I had an, an anchor and it was like, okay, take down that blue route and, you know, put up a, a five eleven in its place. I was like, either you kind of sunk or you swam. And I was able to like get enough on the wall that I could work with them. Uh, since then, we've come a long way in the setting world. And uh, the gym I work for now, uh, we have an apprentice who was just a climber in the gym and uh, ended up getting a job with us coaching. Uh, and then we had an apprentice spot open up. 
so we have a spot dedicated effectively to like bringing on a setter to learn um, so we'll walk him through just kind of everything of how do you select holds how do you bolt holds how do you put them on the wall and then where do you put them on the wall and then we go through the forerunning process um, so what's your what's your position currently uh, currently I'm the head setter at uh, G1 climbing and fit plus fitness in Broomfield okay and so you've got this whole team on you so you're kind of I mean you're kind of a mentor to everyone mm-hmm. I mean you're the one who's teaching people how to do this because again I mean even as a climber myself like this doesn't seem like common sense yeah um, like uh, hey uh, put up a 511 oh no big deal like and, and a, a big part of my job is to work with our apprentice but I've also got we, we have a, a spectrum of, of experience on our team so we've got myself and some others who are far more experienced and then we've got you know a smaller group that's less experienced and our job is to help mentor them and like help them figure out how to do this thing so everyone who you're working with i take it who goes from the coaching positions is generally is that where people generally enter to move on to route setting or do some people just kind of shift over straight to route setting it it varies um like for me i just applied straight into route setting um some people come from front desk some people just come from from coaching just being climbers it, it it really it varies there is a lot of crossover between coaching and route setting um it's coaching you're going to be like teaching teaching movement and helping to explain people to people how to how to do what they're doing uh whereas and, and then route setting you still have to understand that movement you just have to communicate it differently were you a coach prior to this or did you go straight to the route setting route? I started in route setting and then I, I did for a while coach and then I've, I've stepped back out of it and now I'm just full, full time route setting. Gotcha. So, I mean, that's your true passion at this point. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's sometimes when coaching can be really fun, but, um, the, the majority of it, I, I prefer setting. Was there anything about coaching that got you uh got you frustrated or anything like that that you just weren't digging or um i mean it it sounds that too sounds very challenging yeah it's it's just a different challenge um i i it was fun um a little a lot of it is actually i like the hours of setting better um and i think i was a better setter than i was a coach Mm -hmm. um yeah, coaches, they have to work kind of the after-school hours, um, and I like to be home at night. Yeah. Uh, so what is uh, when are your routes going up over at G1? Do you guys have a, a schedule like, hey, guys, get in here at 1 a.m., and we're going to have these things set for the morning? or? Uh, not, not overnight. Uh, so we work, we work during like the gym's quietest hours, which are like during the day when most people are at work, so from 8 a.m. to about 4 p.m. Okay. So we'll we all roll in around eight. I think most other gyms that I know of are running on a similar schedule. Some will be you know starting at seven. Some will start at at nine. But it's generally during the day. I think there are a couple of gyms around the country that that do the the night thing. Mm-hmm. But they're not they're not the majority anymore. What does G one have a have a preferred kind of rotation time in terms of? how long routes are up because 
you know, there's so many, I feel like at least at the gyms that I go to, there's a lot of routes that like people love and, you know, people will rush to work on that project because everyone's always like, dude, we got to hurry up. We got to finish this before they get switched out. How do you guys work those rotations? Um, yeah, so we we sat four, four days out of the five-day work week, um, and then we shift between boulders and routes, and we've got a large enough team to turn over all of the routes in our gym in roughly eight weeks. Sometimes it's a little faster, sometimes it's a little slower, and then we'll turn over all our boulders in four. We have a, a little bit smaller boulder, so with only 80 boulders, we've got to keep them keep them turning over quickly and that okay. way there's always something new two months i mean yeah that's it's pretty good how many how many um full climbing routes do you guys have uh so your uh, your branch over there roped routes we have uh, about 125 and then boulders we have about 80 yeah yeah that's solid so yeah you get 20 new boulders every week and at least like 12 12 to 15 routes a week um, very cool but yeah, it keeps us keeps us um, entertained and yeah, I bet. engaged. So, so I mean, one of the big things that I want to get into is, let's say it's time to go ahead and set up these new routes. How, what is going on in your mind when it's time to actually set these things up? Because it's it's so it's so daunting to me. To I would have no idea where to start. Like, I, I'm sure that you're not just going into your bucket of holds and kind of closing your eyes and oh, this one sounds cool. And how do you even start a process like that? I, I mean, it's kind of like you're a mad scientist. That's just like formulating these things in your mind all the time. How does that process go to get a route up? Um, kind of like we start just. Ba- basically by removing choices or like limiting our options so that we actually can figure out what we're going to do. So, you know, beginning of the day, you'll have uh, an assignment and let's say you're setting routes that day. Um, we have we have two setters that will each be setting routes together. Um, they'll have their, their two routes each on two anchors right next to each other and that way we have a boom lift and that way they can work in the lift, which just makes... Our life much easier yeah. um, as opposed to having to be ascending and descending on ropes and hauling it, it's great um, seems very much more efficient <laughs> it, it's it's such a huge help um, it, when when we're like lifting heavy volumes especially in the steeper terrain the the difference is like night and day yeah like I see a lot of like the gyms that I go to I see a lot of people actually like big wall hauling things up and they're actually climbing and there's the belayer and everything but yeah the whole uh the actual lift just makes sense yeah there's there's a few gyms in colorado that have lifts and then there's a few other gyms that are working on figuring out how to get one <laughs> um but yeah it it it's helped us uh up our efficiency a lot and then it really is like when you're putting a 50 pound volume into a steep wall it's not really very hard when you have a lift and it's really quite difficult to do on your own right right um but yeah the the day will start um you'll get your assignment so you know you're on this anchor and there's you know two routes on the anchor and you'll get you'll so there's a color two colors of routes um and all of our routes are defined by hold color so 
say you've got a blue and a yellow route um, and then you'll have grades so let's say it's a 10a and an 11b so then you'll go and uh, walk into the hold room and you can decide you know do I want to make the blue one the 10 or the yellow one the 10 and that helps to narrow down like what holds you're gonna pick and what volumes you're gonna use um, and then generally we just kind of start to work from from what we have available to us uh, once you pick your holds for your route there's really not um, like rule rules or like a framework that you have to follow if you can make it work it it works um yeah so some of it is it sounds like some of it is kind of throwing like some ingredients into the bowl mixing it up and kind of picking and choosing from there like is there a lot of putting the holds on the wall to what you think is going to equate to an 11a and then the route setter maybe starts to climb it and maybe has to take away or add or add over here take away here is there a lot of that guess and check go on or is a lot of this pre-planning like in a notebook beforehand um uh, there's a i would say a huge amount of trial and error sometimes people pre-plan um like i think it happens more with boulders and and then maybe more in the competition world of like oh yeah i'd really like to do you know this this movement sequence or you know, I, w- I want to jump on the route or whatever it may be. They'll plan that ahead of time from the ground and then you can like set that up. Uh, but most of the time we will, you know, we'll set what we call a skeleton. So it's like a framework or a rough draft. And then from there, once all of our skeletons are on the wall, the the remaining bulk of our day is, is climbing and effectively testing those skeletons and then making adjustments until they're uh, like a finished final product that's ready for our, our customers to come climb on. Um, so, you know, if, if we're on a, a 10 and all of a sudden like, oh, there's no, there's no footholds, we'll add the feet where they're supposed to be to make the moves feel the way we're trying to get them to feel or if the feet are too bad or too good, you know, that's when we can adjust the difficulty up and down. Where is the balance between, because obviously if you need to set up a specific grade, that's like challenge one. How do you guys balance the grade itself versus kind of the, I guess I'll use the word like fun factor or like how interesting and dynamic the route is? Because it seems like those are two totally separate challenges. Like in terms of you can always make a route hard I feel you know maybe and I'm just speculating here but maybe extend this hold so it's farther reach or make the hold smaller or add on a crimp instead of a jug but I feel like there has to be so much pre-planning or thought process behind okay how are we going to make it fun how are we going to make it one of those three-star routes that the climber really enjoys and finishes and says that was an awesome route um the grade uh, it ends up being a starting point and uh most of the time we'll we'll let the grade become the lesser important thing to like 
okay, so the route is a little too hard, but it's really good. Can we can we make like small changes to make it the grade and still really good? If we can, we'll we'll do that. If we can't, I'll just you know let's say we have eight eleven Bs in the gym and this will give us nine because it was really supposed to be you know an eleven A or a ten D. I'll I'll deal with it next week and we'll have slightly too many eleven Bs and we'll have slightly too few ten Ds and then by the next week there's always something changing and we'll we'll make it happen. Are you guys um, climbing each other's routes to kind of do like a little buddy check? Like, hey, dude, awesome, awesome job setting up that route. I climbed it myself. That felt great. Is there um, a lot of that correspondence between you guys as a team? Yeah, very much so. So the forerunning process almost always will start with whoever put up the skeleton will climb their skeleton first, um, be, it, be it routes or boulders, and then try to like especially on routes, just get it as close to where it's supposed to be and where they want it to be as possible. Um, and then whoever their partner for the day is, um, there's about four or five of us. So it, it varies, but whoever the other climber is, the other setter is they'll get on it next and they'll try to, uh, go up and climb. And that way it, with, with that added perspective, it's easier to find what, what more people will experience and what more people will see so if if i set a route and i really want you to do a specific thing i'm going to be looking for doing that specific thing are you talking about like like a a climbing move yeah a climbing move and uh it's really easy to form like tunnel vision uh sure and you the mind sees what it wants to see and i i see what i tried to put on the wall um but that my other forerunner, um, the other setter that's going to get on it, he or she is just going to get on it and see whatever they see. Um, and that might be something completely different. And that way we can, you know, catch that ahead of time. And, you know, if like I'm trying to do a cross and they want something and, and it just doesn't work for, let's say I'm short and they're tall. And it just doesn't work for a tall person because the foot's like way too scrunched in and they're mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Then we can assess that and it makes it a lot easier as we're working as a team. That's something else that I was really interested in because sometimes I'm just like everyone, I guess, I'm doing a climb. And in my mind, I mean, I've just like everyone also, I'm not going to, you know, try and isolate myself, but. I feel I have a very unique climbing style based on what I feel works and what I feel I like to, what I feel is comfortable and works with my strengths, right? So I climb very different from a lot of my my friends. And sometimes I'll get into positions and I'll do whatever move, whether it's a heel hook, a toe hook, or, you know, I'm forced to do this awesome dead point or a dyno and it's like that move was just in reach and it worked out perfectly and I've always wondered did the route setter make it so I needed to do that move to accomplish the climb did they pre-plan it that forced body position and therein allowed me to execute this move and therein made me a better climber because I got to do this move or was it just totally random and I chose to force a move? 
you know, whereas maybe it wasn't intended. Is there some of that to where you're trying to make climbers do specific moves that may be out of their comfort zone? Yes. Uh, but there's also just as many times when like, I'll, I'll try to set a jump and a climber finds a way to not jump. Okay. Or I'll set something slow and a climber finds a way to jump past it. So like we can try to plan as much as we, as much as we do. And especially in a commercial environment where we might have, uh, you know, a six foot tall man or even like six, four. And then you might have another woman who's five foot Mm -hmm. and they're both trying the same route. Right. The odds are they're not going to do it the same way. Right. If we can, if we can come up with a way where like the five foot woman can do something that's relatively the same level as the six foot guy, that's our ideal situation. It doesn't always happen. Um, but that's like what we're looking for. Um, but then again, with everybody's different strengths, what what your way to do the boulder might be entirely different from your friend's method of doing a boulder. Right. And they're both equally valid. Whatever the setter in, intended, like if it works for you as the way to do the boulder, it works. Yeah. And... I've always, um, I think that a lot of people, um, because I see that that's sometimes your guys' intentions for the most part, knowing that people are different body positions and do different climbing styles and they might pass certain holds. Like I pass holds all, all the time. Like, and it's like, oh, I guess I didn't need that. Um, I'm just not gonna use it. I'll do like a lot of super like high knees and stuff. And it's like, oh, I'm just gonna skip over this one. Um, but I think people really appreciate that when they're, forced to do specific moves that maybe they like or maybe they don't get a chance to practice a lot because they haven't needed to and it's like you know what awesome i finally get to i finally get to bust out this move and it's finally here thank you route setter you know um i I think that's really interesting that that is a factor in how you guys set up the routes you know um one one of the things that also kind of along that lines is how tall are your guys's roped routes over there like like your guys's uh height of your kind of top routes we have we have two different sections uh we have like an upstairs roped area okay that's uh, i believe like 35 to 38 feet tall mm-hmm. and then our, our downstairs like full height ropes are 50 feet okay so i was climbing down in florida i did a little visit a few weeks ago and I'm at this gym. Oh, what was the name of that gym? Was it, oh, it was uh, it was Coral Cliffs. Okay. Down in um, Dania, Fort Lauderdale area ish. Never and, been, but I've yeah. heard of it. And um, and so I'm over there, and I'm on these. I'm on this specific route with this grade, like a, a pretty casual grade for me. And um, and I'm climbing. I'm like, man, this is this is a little bit uh. A little bit tough, man. I'm, I'm feeling some some difficulty here. And anyway, I did send it. All right, just for the listeners, it was sent. All right, but I come down and I'm talking to the to the um, owner over there, and we're just chatting about climbing. And they're like, "Yeah, so how'd you feel about that?" I'm like, "You know what? I mean, I thought it was I thought it was pretty difficult. I mean, I'm not gonna say that the grade was wrong. It was just 
different from what I'm used to climbing. And I started getting into, I climb over at Englewood and the routes over there are, you know, pretty, you know, pretty high. They used to be the tallest routes in Colorado. I don't know if that's true anymore or actually in the U.S. I'm sorry, um, over at a movement Englewood. And um, they're like, well, our routes here are shorter because they're only like 30 feet max there, like max. And they're like, our routes here are shorter. And so that is incorporated into our grading. The routes are shorter. You don't need as much endurance. So in this compact route, we're going to make it harder. Do you guys, do you guys put a lot of, of that thought process into there? Like in terms of we're going to have maybe a casual section and then maybe let's say if you're doing a 5.11 route, a 5.11 crux, and then the route keeps going. And so we need to account for that in the grading. Definitely. So for specifically for like grading routes, I think there's great ignoring the subjectivity of grades, um, which they are very subjective and that's got to be a whole challenge in itself. It's yeah. They're extremely subjective, but they are a, a, a very real part of our sport. That's somewhat unavoidable. But when we're when we're setting and when we're grading, uh, we'll think a lot about um, both how the the difficulty of the individual moves, but then the difficulty of linking all the individual moves together. So if you've got, you know, every single move is not particularly challenging if you look at it just with that individual move. But if there's no place to stop and rest, that route could be substantially harder. Mm-hmm. Then another route that has a harder individual move, but the moves surround, like you have a, uh, let's say you have a knee bar that allows you to rest no handed right afterwards or right before that hard section. Um, so it all absolutely can factor in. Um, in the gym, I think you'll see a lot of, a, a lot more common where the routes are just resistance based. Okay. Um, so just kind of continuous movement. Uh, of roughly similar level sometimes like you'll have a crux in there and sometimes the crux will be more or less subtle uh but outside you can find i think a far more drastic difference of you could be on let's say you're on a 12a and it could be 50 feet of 510 climbing and then you have one short three move v4 section and that's it and that's all you have and now it's now it's 12a Right, right. Whereas inside, I think you're much less likely to find that, and you'll be much more likely to find a lot of continuous climbing up to a crux or or even just continuous climbing up to the anchor. And I mean, I think that's one of the things that, you know, I talk to my buddies and stuff all the time about, are we going to go indoor climbing today? Are we going to go outdoor? Because I like to keep a balance of both. I I love outdoor, but I I love indoor too. The reason I love indoor is for the kind of what you were just talking about, that sustained difficulty from a training aspect. I climb much harder indoor. Like I don't, when I go outdoor, I like to challenge myself sometimes, sure. But for the most part, I'm there for the adventure of the outdoors, not necessarily difficult climbing. Indoor though, I love that kind of constant body tension. Like I'm I'm, I'm sweating, my muscles are hurting when I get down from a route indoor and I've really pushed myself there and that's something that unless I seek it out a long multi-pitch is going to more so 
exhaust my body versus like give me a crazy pump or something that some of some of these indoor routes are just inherently doing to me um so it's cool that you guys are again thinking about okay is there are we going to incorporate rest maybe not we're just going to make this person keep going constant body tension it's a very interesting philosophy there um I guess there's also incorporating how how hard it is to figure out what to do and how much it makes you think. So if we had, I mean, we could just put holds in a straight line going up the wall. And if we made the holds really small, it'd be hard. Yeah. And if we made the holds really big, it'd be pretty easy. And I think that no matter how strong you were, you'd probably get bored really fast doing that. So we can also add uh, complexity to a router boulder of like, oh, well, you have to like step your feet up and then step back down and then, you know, move to be able to like move your body left and then you can go up as opposed to just like I'm pulling straight down and my feet are like just stair stepping my Mm -hmm. way up. Um, So that also plays into it of, you know, oh, this route is not quite as physically difficult as the one next to it, but mentally there's a lot more going on so it might get that slightly higher grade as opposed to a different one. A little, forcing a little bit more thinking and route reading versus just the physicality aspect. Yeah. What goes on with, I take it, you're, I haven't been to the G1 gyms yet, but every other gym I've seen has it. I'm sure yours does too. What is going on when 99% of the routes are graded, they're pre-graded, and then you get a few of those routes that are kind of that placard that just has like the tick marks in terms of like, well, who thinks it's an 11A? Who thinks it's an 11B? Who thinks it's an 11C? And you get a lot of that. Is that that just for fun? Like to keep the climber kind of not getting in the zone of it's this specific grade and have them just climb it? Or is there something else behind that? Um, So I think a lot of it, those will just be the newest routes in the gym. and they're trying to find a consensus grade. And a lot of that comes from like climbing's outdoor routes of routes are generally graded through just a consensus of the, the first ascensionist will put their like proposed grade. And as more and more people do it, um, you get more and more opinions and you kind of take an average of those opinions to get what the routes grade is. Uh, so that's, it's like climbing gyms attempt at doing that. Uh, for us, we do that through the use of an app, um, and we just leave a blank placard. The other thing that I am really a fan of is I think there's a lot of people who are um, kind of very th- that are very tied to grades. Of there's no way I can climb 511D, so they're not they're, they see 511D on the tag and they will not try it mm-hmm. because there's no way I can climb that grade. So they get mentally it, stuck. If, if I wait a week to put the grade on a route, um, they might go try it. Um, I think it works a little better with boulders where people are more willing to just go try. But I think as soon as you, the, the commitment of tying into the rope adds a little bit more and it's a little less effective of getting people to try things potentially more outside of their comfort zone on ropes. I think that's so common, this... Um again, those mental hangups based on the number. And I think we see it in everything, you know, whether it's, 
you know, like I used to see it all, all the time in the weight room, you know, people would be like, oh, dude, you know, like some of my lifting partners, there's no way I can bench 300. You know, I'm like, well, you've hit 285 for three. So mathematically, you should probably be able to hit 300 for one. No, dude, there's no way. Well, let's just give it a try. Let's see what happens. What's the worst that can happen? You know, now in the climbing world, if we're on a run out route, okay, there's some consequence there, you know, but if it's a standard climbing route, you know, a sport route, well bolted, what's the worst that can happen? Give it a try. And if you fall, you fall. Worst case scenario, you lose a quick draw if I can't go up there and get it for you, you know, but for the most part, I've seen so much success of people trying these things out of their comfort zone and you know they finish the climb they go through it and they're like holy holy crap did i just did i just climb that i'm like yeah bro dude you flashed that that was smooth sailing and i love seeing people work past those type of mental hang-ups and it's it's very interesting just how that little number freaks people out um yeah do you do you consider yourself you know, and I know this is like a point of contention in the kind of um, in the climbing world and stuff. Do you consider yourself as a climber a a grade chaser? Are you someone who tries to push push the grades? A little bit, but not not too much. Um, I I definitely want to be challenged, but uh, you know, I haven't really been focusing on like getting the next letter of route or the next you know number of boulder beyond what i've already done at least not recently um but yeah like down the road i will definitely be trying to like advance that number i i think it's um especially in the indoor world do you think that there's more consistency with grading indoors versus outdoors just because of the you are training your team you guys have this chemistry and you guys are, for the most part, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys are pretty much on the same page about that subjectivity, about the grade itself versus the thousands of people that climb an outdoor route. And, you know, this person thinks it's that, this person thinks it's that. Do you think indoor routes are more consistent? Probably not. Um, I, it's, I think that routes are like, our grades are just wildly inconsistent everywhere you're going to go. Like indoors, I think the best that we can hope for is consistency within the gym that we're at. Okay. So even if you're looking at like a chain of gyms, like the movement chain, uh, which has five gyms in the Colorado area, from Golden to Baker to Inglewood, I wouldn't even expect like a 12D or a 10B or whatever to feel the same at all three gyms because it's going to be three separate teams. My, My hope is that if I'm trying, you know, a 12A and a 12B at Baker that the 12A will be easier than the 12B. That's that's the best I can hope for, but even then sometimes, you know, the people are, you know, they had a bad day. They thought it was a little easier, they thought it was a little harder. There's just there's so many different factors. Um it could be a route that revolves around a heel hook and heel hooks and I don't really get along. Um, so heel I, hooks and most people don't get along. I, I could me. find it really difficult and you know, somebody else could just cruise right up. Um, 
so I, as much as I can, I try to think as little as possible about like the consistency. I mean, out outdoors, you're. I think again, it's like within an area, you might get some level of consistency, but even then, there's always going to be outliers. No matter how much how many people keep trying, there's just still uh, you know differences. I think what what you said earlier was really cool to hear about your focus isn't necessarily that consistency, but it's the fun factor or you know however however you guys term it, but forcing the body into these dynamic dynamic positions, um, forcing, the body to do different things not just that ladder straight up and i think that's what everyone appreciates about a gym because there's only every once in a while you finish that route and you're like dude i love the fact that i had to go over here and then over here and then do this move and that move and i personally remember that route a lot more than i remember the grade or the satisfaction of completing whatever grade sometimes a route is just fun and you know you want to color in like all three stars you know or however many stars your gym has do you get a lot of feedback from people um like do people know that you're the routes that are there like the locals and they're like keith dude good job man on that one or yeah we do get a, a decent amount of feedback um a lot of the setting team is in the gym when it's the most quiet or sometimes they'll set just when it's closed. So depending on the gym, you may not see the setters very often, but the, the crowd that climbs during the day, um, I'm like fairly well in touch with. It's the kind of the evening crowd that I, I don't hear as much from. Um, but for the most part, you guys get pretty awesome feedback. I mean, we, yeah. We're generally getting positive feedback, but it's there's no way that we're ever going to please everyone. Right. What are some um, of the complaints that you guys get? Or um, a lot of the complaints are centered around grades. Uh, that sandbags. Uh, it's it's usually a pretty even split of this is too hard and it's too easy. Um, so we just kind of roll with those. Um, <laughs> it, it just is what it is yeah it's really really hard to not get hung up on grades um and i would say the majority of the time i'm with everybody else and i like well that's a great i flash i shouldn't fly i should have flashed it i am now mad <laughs> and yeah it's it's just a reality um that it's it's really really hard to get around um but uh, some of the times we'll get we'll get feedback of like oh yeah that was really interesting or we like the holds or um, height complaints I think are the other most common complaint. What is it? Uh, height. So like back to the six foot five foot climbing partners. Oh okay. The the five foot partner is like well my friend my friend could do it and I I couldn't reach past it. Um, find a way, right? I mean. Find a way. Yeah, there is there is certainly some of that. Um, as I was growing up um, in the area, I watched um, Colin Duffy grow up being he's uh, he competed at the twenty twenty Olympics or I guess twenty one Olympics, um, and this year he's been on the World Cup circuit. Uh, he won his first gold medals in lead and bouldering this year, but like as he was growing up as a youth competitor, he was always the shortest. He was, like, when he was 
13, he was smaller than all of the 10-year-olds. And he always won. He was uh, he was incredibly stubborn and incredibly mm-hmm. strong and pretty creative. And he would just find a way to get through the reachy part, which, yeah, it's it was almost never fair. But it also didn't matter. It was incredibly frustrating for him, but he had to find a way to get through it. So he did. I mean, and um, it forced him not to you. It forced him to expand his toolbox, I'm sure, in terms yeah. of you don't always have that huge reach factor. So it's going to force me to do this, do that, do that. And that's just a bigger toolbox, I think. And when you're forcing those situations, I think we all become better climbers. Yeah. But it's also really hard to remember that in the moment mm-hmm. as opposed to being like, well, this isn't fair. Right. And there's nothing I can do about it. Um, yeah, it's, and sometimes it's not uh, something that you can overcome. Sometimes like, it's you're just not gonna be able to do it, and that's unfortunate. But so, that is a reality. Yeah, I got you. So we're uh, we were talking earlier before we got started. Um, are you a part of? Um, is there like a route setting kind of network that goes out and does these? like larger scale competitions and everything like do they pull you guys from different places um i think you were talking about the youth competition out in uh where is it it's in chicago chicago um yeah so currently like i'll there's a decent amount of the commercial setters in in the u.s and we'll just stick with the u.s to make it simpler um there's a, a the governing body for competitions in the u.s is usa climbing so for the larger usa see events um like currently youth nationals is starting i believe tomorrow um but either way it's this coming week uh they'll pick a team of setters from around the country and they'll pull them out um to come set the event and that's uh that's a process that setters can apply the, it starts with going through clinics and then you can do an internship and then an apprenticeship and then you become an assistant and then after being an assistant a bunch of times you can chief uh, you can chief test and then eventually become like a national chief um, but uh, yeah that's, is that something that they're doing on the side just for these competitions or is that now a full-time gig once you hit that status um generally it's it's a on the side thing so almost all of the the director of like usa climbing setting program that is his uh full-time job he also does some other things for usa climbing Mm -hmm. um but other other than him most of the people in that are also working at either a commercial climbing gym or they're doing some profession i know uh, there's nurses there's people just working in construction, all sorts of different things. Um, Are you planning on, um, or like, is it in your aspirations to go out and do some of these out-of-state competitions and start setting for them? Uh, I, I would love to. Um, I didn't get picked for any events this year, um, but the past two years I was able to be on the Youth Bouldering Nationals crew. Um, that uh, I don't know if the team has been selected for uh, adult nationals this year yet. So maybe that one will be Shout out. out to Keith North in case anyone's looking. <laughs> we can hope. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, 
I know one of the one of the setters, actually two of the two Colorado setters, are out there right now in Chicago. Um, Augie is the head setter at Inglewood, and then Jenna is one of the setters at Baker, and they're both setting youth nationals right now. So nice, yeah. And what is what is your future like? What are your aspirations within within uh, G one or whatever else you're you're trying to do um, in this in this world? Um, so right now, G1 is just one location, and I'm hoping that over as time goes on, we can expand to become more, and then I can hopefully run the route setting for the entire chain. Um, that's certainly easier said than done. Yeah. Uh, so ho- hopefully there, and then uh, continuing to set for as many competitions as I can. It's, it's harder work, but it's also more fun and more difficult. Um, and usually it's, it's a group of like good people that are all excited to work really hard. Dude. I mean, yeah, you seem, you seem, uh, very, very knowledgeable and stoked about setting men. And that's who I want setting my routes. You know, people who are actually, again, not just trying to set up a generic, you know, five, whatever route, but people who are trying to make these things interesting and kind of thinking beyond that grade itself. You know, um, something that I, something that you know you're a you're a long term climber. You're very you know experienced in the game. Something that I kind of want to have um, my guests kind of close with, especially with the experience that you have. What is something that you wish you knew when you started climbing that you just didn't that you would pass on to some other climbers, whether it's with, with whether it's climbing, whether it's in the gym etiquette world, indoor world, whatever, what is something that you see that uh, you know you would want to pass on? Um, Some sage advice, if you will. <laughs> I know I'm putting you on the hmm. spot here. I I, I don't know the 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 thought. Is, uh, it's less advice, but more of like coming from the fencing world, where it's like a very adversarial sport of like if you and I are fencing, only one of us wins. And it's like, it's you versus me. Um, it, it's less, um, less personal, uh, personable and less friendly. Like climbers by and large are really like nice and they're welcoming. Um, and just the, that, that was like a huge thing for me of being like kind of a, a shy, like awkward teenager that, you know, wasn't very social it was really nice to have just nice people in the climbing gym and it was a huge uh thing that attracted me to the sport over like other things so not I guess, not being a douchebag in the gym yeah and just not <laughs> not forgetting about the value of just like being kind to other people in the gym and and outside and all of that i don't know if i have like that and just like enjoy it there's not, you know, at the at the gym. There's a a couple of guys that climb pretty regularly in the mornings, and the two of them together have over a hundred years of climbing experience, and they still climb. Nice. And like, if you just enjoy it, you can keep doing this thing that's this much fun as lo- almost as long as you want. Out in rifle, there's a guy Lee Scheftel who must be, he must be in his eighties now. Um, but he's still climbing at like a really high level in his 
and he's in his 80s like it it is possible to keep just climbing dude that's awesome keith where can uh where can people whether it's reaching you personally or via um g1 gyms is there any any, any type of uh contact you got um uh, does your your gym have instagram or anything like yeah uh our gym's instagram is just g1 climbing um but yeah, we're up in Broomfield, right, uh, right at like 36 and Wads across from the First Bank Center, or Four Noses Brewing, I guess. Four Noses is quite good. I <laughs> highly recommend. Um, little little landmark for reference there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's your b- between that and the First Bank Center, there okay. that'll usually get people to us. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, dude, so. Anyone out in uh, out in the Broomfield area, get out to G1, check it out. Keith will be there, setting routes, 84. just making the magic happen. It, I'm telling you, man, it, it is magic because it's kind of like, like I said, it's like, who set these routes? How did this happen? Um, we appreciate you giving us a peek behind the curtain, man. You yeah. know, it's, it's a magical world that just, at least for myself, I just knew nothing about before this. So I hope it helps a little bit. Yeah. Everyone, that was Keith North um, crushing it, giving us uh, a little little taste of the magic there behind the curtain. So thank you for coming on, Keith. And uh, I will see you guys on the next podcast. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. This is your host, Jared Hazel. Just wanted to thank you all for listening to the Denver Crux podcast. As a friendly reminder, make sure when you're out there, leave no trace. If you see a water bottle or something on the trail, pick it up, toss in the trash later. Helps out everyone. A lot of these local trails and climbs, there is management that goes behind them. So if anyone can give back, whether it's giving a buck or two or some volunteer time to the access fund, to your local climbing council or coalition, do so. Make sure you're not running your ropes through that fixed hardware up there. Does wear down over time, so. Just something to keep in mind, some good etiquette. The podcast is always looking for new guests, so whether or not you're, you've been climbing for a month or 50 years, I'd love to have you on and share the experience. So if anyone wants to reach out at any time, feel free. My Instagram handle for the podcast is Denver Crux Podcast. So with that said, everyone, climb safe, go out there and do dangerous things carefully.